Florida, tourist paradise, tropical vacation wonderland, sunshine and cool breezes. From Mallory Square in Key West to the Governor's Mansion in Tallahassee and all points beyond, you're listening to the Florida Beer Podcast, powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com, your source for all things related to the craft beer community in the Sunshine State. And now your host, Dave Butler. And a big welcome to episode 17 of the Florida Beer Podcast. Powered by FloridaBeerBlog.com, this is Dave, your host and author. I have a big contest for those of you listening today for the awesome new brewery, If I Brewed the World. They are in St. Petersburg, Florida. They're in the Grand Central District. They're close to Three Daughters and Cage and who else is around there? Pinellas Ale Works, If I Brewed the World, is just a phenomenal addition to all of that. I've got some really, really, really big news for everybody. I cannot tell you yet. Hopefully, it's going to be coming out pretty soon. I can't even provide a hint, but it looks like great things are going to be happening for the podcast and for the blog and for fans out there. So, hi, fans. So, as I kind of alluded to earlier, we're going to be spending today's episode in St. Petersburg, Florida. It is one of my absolute favorite cities for craft beer here in the state of Florida. We're going to be going to If I Brewed the World a little bit later on, but the first thing that we're going to do is we're actually going to go to Flying Boat Brewery. They are relatively new. They are just north of Central Avenue, and they've got a great, great facility going on. Not only do they have a lot of great beers on tap, but they've also got a wonderful focus on the history of the area, Uh, Flying Boat being a reference to the world's first commercial airline that actually was created in St. Petersburg. It was a daily flight twice a day from St. Petersburg all the way to Tampa, which I know is nothing now, but it's pretty awesome. So here's my interview with Josh Perrion, the co-owner and co-founder of Flying Boat Brewery. Going to talk about a lot of really cool stuff in a very, very awesome tap room. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to stay tuned for that contest and enjoy today's episode. Well, Flying Boat's been around for a little while, and are you really trying to push distro? No, really, we're doing it. We're doing it supernaturally. We started distribution last. Uh, August, mm-hmm. we put about a hundred taps into the market until literally two weeks ago, <laughs> and um, it was great. It was uh, just really in Hillsborough, Pinellas, and a little bit in like Lee County because mm-hmm. uh, that's where Glenn's at. So he put it in a couple of bars where you know he could help uh, maintain the brand and talk to the. The realtors and or retailers and stuff. I almost said realtors, <laughs> retailers. <laughs> and uh, but otherwise, it was done super, super naturally. And even now, we just we just put another hundred taps into JJ's hands, mm-hmm. and um, we're just letting them kind of do all the legwork as far as like growing and maintaining uh, that number of taps in the surrounding area. It's been really manageable that way. Really, it seems to be you're more focused on growing the culture and the visitation to the tap room. Yeah, very much so. It's close enough, not on Central where everybody else seems to be, but Mm -hmm. you're really just a hop, skip, and a jump away. Yeah, the only part that sucks being where we are is the bike tours can't reach us. That's really it. They have like pedal pedal Mm -hmm. tours for like, you know, like little booze pedal tours. I don't know what else to call them. Um, and they won't mm. stray this far away from, from Central. So we're like just outside of that, but we but all the other tours stop because we're mm. on the way down and up from everybody. Whether you're heading towards like Clearwater, Dunedin, or Largo, like we are a good uh-huh. last stop because it's right before 275 and vice versa. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it. I mean, we're a neighborhood brewery. We're St. Pete's only neighborhood brewery, and that's like something we really, really enjoy. And the, the neighborhood's gorgeous. It's yeah, nice it's, tra- it's transitioned a lot. Really? It's changed a lot in the last two years. It's gotten um, 
a little less industrial. And even mm-hmm. the places where it is industrial, there I'm noticing like facelifts to mm-hmm. the front, like Carstar across the street, the automotive uh, place did a facelift. Um, they're building new homes right on 13th, right across the street from the brand new uh, St. Pete Police uh, shooting range. There's mm-hmm. Woodlawn Parks right there, Euclid St. Paul's across 16th. So there's a lot of change. There's new townhomes right up on the other side of 275. Like all these new townhomes, all this new building around here, and all of it is geared towards, for better or for worse, um, you know, uplifting this neighborhood in a way that that's like really really exciting. Honestly, did was that the impetus to build Flying Boat here, or was Flying Boat here and then the? I don't want, I don't want to say regentrification. Yeah, it. It feels like first? we were here before the change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so if, you know, if you if you have an ego, it feels like it's all you, <laughs> but it, it's not. It's it's really just an outgrowth of the transition taking place downtown. So so St. Pete's been on this trajectory for like the last ten years of completely exploding in the downtown corridor, and we are just on the periphery of that. So we're feeling that happen even here, mm-hmm. and that economic boom is, is going all the way down central into Grand Central. I mean, it's starting to reach in some ways all the way to the Gulf. And that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I hope it's supportable. I mean, uh, housing has always been a, a tricky issue in this surrounding area since the, the boom because, you know, property values rise yeah. and it's... And if you have too many bars and restaurants, no one to eat or visit them because they don't live close enough to go by that's not great so paying a close attention to how these neighborhoods evolve is really important especially for us i mean because we live in one yeah you know nice. so gotcha. but it's i i dig it so far i really I especially like what's happening around here um yeah i i'm it's really sort i i was not here for some of the old days like you know when the benoy was run down oh it was bad I, I've heard stories. It's bad. They still had, they still had um, stuff uh, like bedding, bed frames, and like hospital equipment from when it was like used as like a World War Two convalescence, oh, yeah. and yeah, it was bad. I remember being a kid coming down here to visit, and like downtown was no bueno. And uh, <laughs> it's changed. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, I still every now and again drive. Um, I'm pretty close to Tyrone Square Mall, like Tyrone Mall and stuff. Uh-huh. And Tyrone Middle School is right there on the corner of 22nd and um, and 66th. And my grandmother actually lived directly behind the middle school. So every now and again, I like cruise through her neighborhood and like check out her old house. Like, cause that's where I used to spend summer time. So I'm like, uh-huh. look, and it's so, so different. Nice. It's cool. It's cool though. Yeah. Um, do you think, cause St. Petersburg has really sort of taken off. When it comes to craft beer, mm-hmm. there's so much that's going on, not just you, but a couple of new places mm-hmm. just bouncing off the walls. And it's starting to feel that St. Pete beer scene and the Tampa beer scene are sort of separating and becoming their own separate entities. Mm-hmm. It used to be the Tampa Bay scene, and mm-hmm. now there's a difference between Hillsborough and Pinellas. Um, I can certainly see that. Uh, the geography of the Bay makes that really easy. To accomplish too. I mean, the old running joke: if you live in St. Pete and Pinellas, is like why go across the bridge? Like I hate going across the bridge, and vice versa. You know, you live here, you don't want to go over there. You live over there, you don't want to come over here. And because of the way the the food and bar and craft beer scene has exploded in both places, it's almost like, well, why do you need to? In a lot of ways, right? I mean, you know, why do I need to go over there? I can just stay here and have everything I need, and and vice versa. But, um, yeah, I can definitely see that starting to develop um, just because of the sheer number of breweries. Uh, one of the things that I personally struggle with um, when I think about Tampa Bay Beer Week in particular is how many breweries there are trying to do stuff within a week. That, that illustrates the problem more than anything else. Okay. Right? So you have these... The week itself is punctuated by... You have, like, Ultimate Brew on Friday, FBG Fest on Saturday, Best Florida Beer on Saturday or Sunday, mm-hmm. and then you have, finally, like, Fooder for Thought has become, like, this this anchor event, thank, thankfully, you know, that's St. Pete-based as opposed to all being kind of located uh-huh. in Tampa, and then, and then Hoonapoo and Hoonapoo Hangover. And so it leaves, like, probably mm-hmm. three days in the center right there where you have 70-plus breweries now competing for for attention 
and and it's it's insane. It's absolutely insane. But you can't do anything about it. You can't you can't extend the week because then you're you're cutting the tourist uh, impact in half. You can't split it up into regions, which you probably should do. Uh, which would really more than anything else punctuate the differences once mm-hmm. that happens. Um, but then again, you're you know you're you're separating across maybe the course of a year, yeah. and it can it gets it can be unmanageable and out of hand. But I don't necessarily think uh, Tampa and St. Pete have um, developed unique maybe styles or feel enough to be separate. Mm-hmm. But um, there is definitely. <laughs> concentrations now where like if you were a beer tourist you could come down and just spend a week in Tampa and that surrounding area and you could just come down to like South Pinellas and and do that uh, for a whole span of time and even now I mean it's a little bit more spread out but you can almost do that with North Pinellas mm-hmm. and uh, and that's and if things the trajectory keeps going with you, you have four stacks and you know Levin and all that even southeast uh, Hillsborough might even eventually be able to develop and do its own little thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of look at it the way that the distributors look at it. You know, you have a North Pinellas rep and a South Pinellas rep and a Hillsborough rep. And, like, if, if, if the, the, the brew scene continues to develop in that trajectory, like, you, you probably will see, like, a more distinct separation, perhaps, just because of the, same, the physical, the sheer number of breweries alone. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know. It's exciting, though. It's exciting and it's daunting. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've been writing the blog for a little over five years now. Yeah. And it was much easier to have a handle on what was going on in Florida beer. Than yeah. Than it is now. Oh, my God. It was 384 active breweries now. Ugh. What What is it? It was last... Um, was last uh, halfway there. So last August, there were 300. So there's 84... And then the last um, FB, so yeah, so last August, sorry, last August there were 280 breweries, 300 active licenses, and now there's 384 breweries in the state of Florida. And I think they still say the state can support something like 500. Now, granted, most of those will be like one horse town, small, you know, breweries, but that's what makes it even like scarier because you could have somebody in like Odessa doing something crazy somebody in Tavares doing something crazy and like as a as a craft beer enthusiast like how do you get there and I'll tell you that's actually a big problem one of I think the most exciting new breweries that I've ever been to is Hull Powder okay which is in Lake City okay which is in the middle of nowhere. I mean yeah it's, it, it's right where 75 yeah yeah, and yeah. 10 so and the only thing I mean literally going there because I was just in the area and I passed by a lot of prisons, mm-hmm. a lot of prisons. You're getting close and, to the middle, bro. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But then I was like, when is like, here's this phenomenal brewery. They like to play with some crazy stuff, mm-hmm. but they also know their market, and mm-hmm. so they do a lot of core like standards really, really well. Yeah. And what you're seeing with them is that they are sort of leading the charge for revitalization yeah in that little downtown so now lake city downtown is starting to become something yeah there's a new one that just opened in downtown palatka really yeah i don't even know where that is i know the name of that it's town, very close to lake is. city it's, okay it's up in the it's, okay it's, towards it's, the middle bring out your banjo yep. um tallahassee exploded yeah who would have thought that that come from um and just you've got these little Cities. I was like Gainesville. I never understood how Gainesville could support craft beers at all. But I mean, it did. It did yeah. Well. I mean, yeah. You know, college students don't have disposable income, and that is hardcore Bud Light country, like around. So, it's, but I'll tell you, man, it works. I had the chance to tour. Um, oh gosh, the wetlands. Okay. And it was just beautiful Swamp Heads facility, and it's, yeah. Not only was it beautiful. But they've got a lot of different stuff there. Yeah. And they're, especially on Gator Game Days, mm-hmm. they completely changed the flow of the entire grounds because they know everybody's going to be coming to them. Right on. See, that's, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I know breweries tend to now, more than anything else, lead the charge in like revitalization of an area. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, they increase property values, they don't decrease property values. Really? Yeah, unlike traditional bars. Traditional bars will decrease property values in the surrounding area, breweries do not. To, when that started, I think a lot of that was psychological, but now mm -hmm. it's, it's actual. I mean, you know, breweries are community centers. They're places where, you know, if you're a parent with a new child, like, you can bring them in there and get a high five instead of getting called diapers on. Like, that's, that's how breweries work now. And it's not a new idea. I mean, the United States was founded in a brewery, you know? Same <laughs> that, I mean, the, this is like an 18th century, 17th century community center come full circle. And so... Our national anthem is ripped off from a British drinking There song. you go, right? I mean, we have, a, we have a weird history of the Alcoholic Republic, but, which is a good book, by the way, if you have any chance to read it. I have never heard of it, and I'm going to look it up. Yeah, it's a very, very, it's a very cool book. It's a, uh, alcohol's place in the founding of this country. Hmm. And, you know, the, the rum runners that became our founding fathers and so on and so forth. Interesting. Um, and it taps on uh, brewery slash tavern culture a little bit, but um, it, it does touch on the point that, like, these were poor people coffee houses, you know? And, and that is, like... Uh, still to this day not for people coffee houses but still those kinds of like community centers where you can come and exchange ideas and have fun and and it's a it's a pretty big deal so what how, what is your opinion of the great i don't even realize i don't even know why it's still a debate kids in brew houses um i don't care uh families <laughs> families and pets and parrots and whatever are 100 percent welcome as far as i'm concerned until they're not you know, like, you set the expectation, you have the rules, you do your thing, it's all right. Um, if you got an unruly kid, like, take him down, take him from an eight to a three. And But I'm not going to penalize every other kid that's going to come in here that's going to behave. I'm just going to say, hey, man, take it from an eight to a three. Well, that's the same thing at Publix. Yeah, I, I mean, guess it's a, it's a little bit different, though. Um, it feels a little bit different, obviously. I mean, Publix is... You're not really sitting down to enjoy your time. You're trying to get in and get out and get your yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, that's a good point. There's nothing you can do about it. But I, I think of it a little bit more like um, movie theater culture. Yes. So, you know, you can bring a baby and a kid in there, and you'll handle a little bit of upsetness from the child. But, like, when the kid starts wailing, like, you should take them out and leave until they calm down and bring them back. Absolutely. And uh, and that's pretty much how the rules work. Yeah. You know, and don't don't break it. You know, don't start none, don't be none. Okay. And that's kind of how it should roll. That makes perfect sense. So I guess let's go full circle and, and cycle back to Flying Boat. Where okay. did the impetus for this come from? Um, the idea behind the Flying Boat, why uh, I chose the Flying Boat is... Well, just this brewery, like, why did you decide to make a brewery? Oh, so why I want to get into history very soon. Oh, okay, so why I want to make a brewery? Um, yeah. I always really enjoyed... I did some, some homebrewing, like most people do. I was horrible at it. And uh, <laughs> I just... I enjoyed the social aspect more than I actually really enjoyed the the brewing of the beer and um, that kind of introspection in retrospect is really the reason why I really enjoyed uh, beer as a whole. And um, I was an educator and had a history too in like project management and stuff and I was seeing what craft breweries were doing back home where I'm from, and when I was down here, I was given the opportunity to put one on paper, at least, okay. to see if it was feasible. Yeah. And put it on paper, it was totally feasible, all of a sudden it got greenlit, couldn't believe it, all in. <laughs> and um, and that's where it ultimately came from. I, I always looked at a brewery as a place for me to educate, mm -hmm. create an open, safe community space, help our community, and do it all through social lubrication, which is like the best way to do it. Because <laughs> you're going to get people that are already down for all of those things. Okay. And so as a whole, I think, you know, when I looked at all the businesses and work I've done, I was like, craft brewery is going to definitely be hard, but it's going to attract the right kind of people. And, and that's why. Okay. And then obviously now we'll get into the name. Because yeah. I've always been a big fan of when breweries like to honor local history and not mm -hmm. only are you honoring local history but you're honoring a very specific part of Pinellas history why this or just what describe what it is and then why you decided to focus on that so the reason why uh, I chose flying boat for the name of the brewing company was a little bit uh, part personal story and then uh, part scratching that like educational itch 
Um, every town I've ever moved into, one of the first things I've ever done or do when I get to that new town is check out the local history museum. Not only does it give you a good sense of like what you're getting into in the town, gives you a little bit of an instant connection to where you're living, but also affords you some cool talking points when you're meeting new people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I moved to St. Pete, I went down to the St. Pete Museum of History, and I learned all about the first, the world's first ticketed commercial flight and the flying boat. And I was like, this is awesome. This is such a cool story. And no one knew about it. And I started talking to people and I was blown away by how many St. Pete natives born and raised here that had no idea about the impact that their local history has had, not only uh, in their town and their state and their country, but the world at large. Mm-hmm. And every time you've gotten on a plane with a little seat and a crummy meal and an overpriced ticket, <laughs> you can thank St. Petersburg because we invented it. Like that's that's the, the, the truth. And so I looked more and more into what these guys were doing and the way that they were pioneering the airplane uh, as this newfound fangled machine in a way that other people hadn't seen or used it. And I saw the parallels were immediately applicable to craft. You know, aeronautical pioneers, craft pioneers, one-to-one right on the same page. And so I found kindred in this story and and took this story and made it a part of the brewery story and, and use it to now export not only great craft to people, but also this really cool piece of history that very few people are aware of. And just so your listeners are aware of what that is... Um, when the airplane was first invented, it was really treated as a novelty. And there were a few gentlemen, including uh, some really famous guys like Gandhi, uh-huh. uh, who took a look at this uh, crazy machine and realized that it could be used um, to transport people. And um, at the time, uh, one of the main reasons why they chose St. Pete instead of, instead of another town was um, because of St. Pete's proximity to Tampa, and they could get some people to invest in it. So it was a win-win. Plus, St. Pete has great weather. And at the time, uh, it would take you pretty much all day if you wanted to ride a horse or a car from St. Pete to Tampa. You could take a train. It went from like 12 to 9 hours. It dropped, so 9 hours on train. Mm-hmm. The most common way to and from the cities were uh, over via steamboat, and it took about 2 hours via steamer. Mm-hmm. The airplane cut it down to 23 minutes. So it revolutionized right off the bat as a proof of concept that the airplane was a great person mover. And flying boat comes from the actual plane, which was a Benoit 14 flying boat. So it was a seaplane. Yep, it was a seaplane. And so it would uh, it would actually land, the hangar uh, was right by the pier. So it would land at the pier, it would pick up one person or about 200 pounds of cargo, and it would fly to and from Tampa. And it did that twice a day, five days a week for about four months. And I think it only missed like four or five days uh, due to weather. Otherwise, it ran nonstop, nice. and people loved it. And what's really cool is, is like guys like Gandhi, they invested in the airline. And so one of the fun facts is, is that Gandhi connected St. Pete and Tampa twice in his life, once with the airplane and once with the Gandhi Bridge. So and that's the Gandhi Boulevard that you yeah. can drive on today. Yep. Okay. Yep. So it's it's a lot of lot of really famous St. Pete names involved in uh in the flying boat. Plus it was a it was rigged. It was pretty cool. The the mayor was the first passenger and it was a rigged raffle to get him on it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, some really, really cool fun fun history. And the St. Pete Museum of History like partnered with us, let let me troll through their archives, went through all their stuff. It was really yeah, fantastic. You come in the tap room and it really feels like a museum. It feels almost like an outcropping from the St. Pete Museum of History because of how many fo- photographs and how many plaques and how much there is to read and look at and sort of explore here. Um, I've never seen that really done in a brewery before. It's yeah, we, we call it a, brew, a bruiseum. <laughs> a bruiseum is what we are. We are, we are Florida's only bruiseum. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a the really big part of, of building this brewery was, was infusing as much of the aeronautical history of St. Pete beyond just the, the first flight in the airline, it goes, we, we take it all the way up into the 50s um, and beyond uh, into what we do and infuse it in the walls, infuse it in the names of the beers and everything else. How did the St. Pete Museum of History respond when you first reached out to them with this idea? At first, they, it was really funny. When I first brought the idea to 
the museum, um, they're super busy over there. And I brought the idea and they were like, okay, great, great, great. Come back to us when you're like ready. Okay, okay, okay. And they kind of put me off to the side. And then uh, the second time I went back, I was like, all right, I'm ready to go through your archives, man. Let's do this. And they were 100% on board. They were so excited. We've got some images up on the walls that they've never been able to show the public before. Really? Um, yeah, there's they helped with uh, all of the placards, making sure they're factually correct. Um, in some cases, wrote them themselves. For us, uh, they were just an incredible resource for making sure that we got everything right uh, when we wanted to put this in front of the public. But yeah, I mean, they have thousands and thousands and thousands of images um, and only limited wall space. I mean, they don't have unlimited wall space. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of images that, you know, either very little of the, the public has seen um, or has never been on a wall before that we actually happen to enjoy. So, Do you think you may partner with them in the future to do sort of seasonal exhibits here? Uh, actually, we're thinking about doing that. I, I know that uh, recently they were able to do a really cool uh, Web City exhibit at Green Bench's new Web City cellar. Okay. And so I would very much like to create a similar one for the flying boat uh, in the brewery as well. Because he's got, and let's actually let's pause there take that concept and mm -hmm. talk about the space a little bit because I think the last time we spoke this was sort of a commercial filming studio correct yeah it was originally the building was originally built as a, a MediClean facility for St. Anthony's Hospital so oh, they, yes. they did a lot of laundry here and uh, and that means they had a lot of water on site so that's one of the key components of beer right on let's nice. well you got that going for us and then after the MediClean facility closed it went through a succession of smaller businesses and became an independent film studio and they did things uh, like supplementary commercials for HSN, which is in town. And um, really, yeah. I so had no idea. yeah, so they, they did a bunch of these like really really fun commercials, and uh, I think they even did some independent films here. Um, I only caught the tail end of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I I saw them film two before the building transitioned to to us, and uh, one was for like a, a cooking show, and another one was for like a. a a kids like skate company. It was like skate apparel company. It was really great for them. But they installed like all these really great light kits all over the place, so it had a lot of electricity. Oh, good. And so that's the second main component you need to to manufacture beer. Uh, all we needed was gas, and then it was that's why the brewery or the building was perfect for a brewery. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 come a long way since then for sure. So, so you've got this huge amount of space, and kind of off in the back corner. Uh, at least the last time I saw, was sort of devoted to local artists. Yeah. Would that be a good place for sort of seasonal rotating exhibits? Yeah, or? that's actually what we're looking at, at looking at doing is, uh, you're right spot on, man, was, <laughs> uh, was taking one of our, our larger rooms and turning that into uh, an actual like historical homage to the, the local history through an, a, a rotating exhibit mm. and then using the smaller room that we play ping pong in right now uh, <laughs> and still devoting that to local artists and give them a better, a better canvas to concentrate more of their art in one location. So that's, uh, that's kind of the future plan for downstairs. Okay. Um, one of the other things, we're going we're gonna to talk about beer soon. I sure, promise. sure, sure. Beer, beer is coming. But one of the things that you mentioned very prominently on the logo and on your design is the charitable aspect mm -hmm. of Flying Boat. Can you explain that a little bit? We do a ton of charity here. Uh, that was one of the main components of the, the brewery and the company was to be as charitable and community forward as possible. Um, we will literally open our doors to anyone, as long as they're not a hate group, as long as you're not a hate group, we will open our doors to anyone or anything. We run fundraisers all the time, but, but having the space available and having the, the name and having the, the reach that we do, it gives a lot of uh, small charities and community organizations a reach further than they can have on their own. Like last night, um, the North Kenwood uh, Homeowners Association. This is where they hold their, their monthly meetings is here. And they have now a space that they can do this in where people want to come and participate in their, in their meetings. And it feels like their numbers have grown accordingly. We do stuff with um, Surfrider Foundation. We do things with soup kitchens. We do things with uh, the PB and Jelly Deli guys who are always uh, trying to feed uh, those less fortunate and in need. It's really, it's good times. And we always have an ongoing um, food drive downstairs for the 
St. Pete Free Clinic, which happens to be the second largest food bank in the state of Florida. Interesting. Yeah. And why was the charity so important to you? Um, it's a way of giving back. It's a way of making, honestly, the best use of what a brewery is as a community center. And uh, it's it makes you feel good. I mean, honestly, it's, it, it stinks because as much as I'm here working on the brewery means I can't physically go out and pick trash. I can't physically go out and participate in a lot of these things the way I would normally want to or could if I worked a regular nine to five and had weekends off and everything else. But in turn, I get to give a platform for everyone else. So helping to uplift others, you know, you uplift yourself. Nice. All right. Let's talk about beer. All right. Right on. <laughs> what? What was your sort of vision for Flying Boat when it came to a tap list and the things that you brew? Um, it was weird. It, it, to start, it was a little bit of an evolving situation. We weren't really sure what we wanted to do with a tap list, except we definitely wanted to pay homage to some really good historical styles. So, for example, our pub ale, the American Mild. We're like the only brewery in the state of Florida, I think in the southeast, honestly, that keeps an American Mild on tap all year round. Um, which is a super historical beer, very much associated with the time of the first flight. We also wanted to make a lot of our beers sessionable and very approachable, mm -hmm. um, because while it's super fun to do some really funky, cool stuff, uh, craft still really is a small percentage of the overall market, and, mm -hmm. and like I think it's like five out of six people coming into your, uh, into your bar are uh, really kind of craft beer novices, and you want to facilitate their introduction to craft and educate them as best as possible. Um, so that's kind of where the tap list started. It's still very sessionable and super approachable, but we finally think starting to branch out into some fun stuff. And yeah, what was I? What am I drinking? You're actually drinking a citrus pale ale. Okay. So it's uh, it's you know just a little, a little bit more of a Florida take on your on your average everyday pale ale, but adding a lot more uh, citrus flavors to it, using more citrus forward hops and some fun stuff in there. It's fantastic. I'm glad you enjoy it. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that nice and crispy, refreshing, but it still has that Florida feel mm -hmm. to it. Yeah, and finding that balance is really important. I think there are a few breweries in Pinellas and Tampa that really have done a good job embracing Florida flavors and incorporating that into like traditional beer styles and non-traditional beer styles. Um, and I think finding a way to do that, especially with stuff as simple as like a pale ale, uh -huh. can, is is fun can go a really long way to making it super fun. Awesome. What other kinds of beers do you generally have on tap or that you currently have on tap that you really enjoyed and wanted to push and make sure that was on there? Because um, I think you have a, a coffee Kolsch. Yep, a coffee Kolsch, Janice Java. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's another um, fun local favorite. We used uh, beans from Mazzaro's Coffee. Uh, Mazzaro's is a pretty famous Italian market here in St. Oh, Pete. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been there. Uh, Mazzaro, I, I hope you have. If you haven't, I would send you over there after you leave here. Yeah. Um, uh, we use that to uh, to put into, those are whole beans, too, that were put into uh, into the coffee colch because, I mean, I think um, lighter styles as a whole do better in Florida, except for very select months, you know, mm -hmm. and if, as long if it's not a high ABV beer, you know, or a, a Russian stout or something, but... Um, the coffee colch is one I really, really enjoy right now. The citrus pale ale is super fantastic. I really enjoy um, right now more than anything else. I think transitioning more towards really clean lagers okay. is a way to go. With uh, we have a Schwartz beer on right now that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. I think lagers are underrepresented as a whole in in Florida beer. I think we're seeing a lot more of it now in like the last year than before, and I'm really enjoying that. Um, but some of the beers that are coming out that I'm super excited for is some of our barrel-aged stuff. Really? Yeah. What kind of stuff do you have that's going to be coming soon? Uh, we got a Belgian Strong on white wine barrels mm. that was uh, re-fermented on a lot of honey, a lot of locally sourced honey, and um, a wonderful red sour on some red wine barrels. Mm. And, uh, and they're ready to go. They've been sitting for a little over a year. And, um, and then this winter, I have a really, really nice sour stout that's been sitting on some wood for reserve. Oh. And that'll be, that'll be about a year in, I want to say, October. Mm. So I'm excited for those. That's phenomenal. Um, 
I do want to mention your stout because you have the uh, Imperial Stout mm-hmm. available in packages. Oh. I have never seen this before, and it was literally the greatest thing that I've ever seen. So this is my million-dollar idea. Wow, I've never seen this. Um, this is great. So uh, I, I've always – one of the things I've always hated going into um, – any kind of package store is if I want a really great high ABV beer, it's coming in like a bomber or a 24 ounce bottle. Like it's coming in in, in a single, single serving. Yeah. And I have to pop that sucker open. I either have to drink it all or I have to share it with somebody. And then like, that's all she wrote. Yeah. And, and, and then I have to buy another one if I want to have it in the, in the fridge to age or anything else. Yeah. So I started doing can studies like looking at individual cans and like what I could actually purchase and like what I could find. Mm. And I found these little eight ounce stubbies and I had a light bulb go off. Three eight ounce stubbies is 24 ounces. <laughs> the same as it's a bomber. the same as a bomber. So the idea was, was to, and it took about um, eight months to get this thing kind of set up the, to get the parts, to get the mobile canner on board, to get everybody to do this. And it was still um, a proof of test. And um, so the idea was if I get three eight ounce cans, it's the same amount as you would get in a bottle, but now you have one that you can have yourself, one you can share and one you can age. Yeah. And, and, and aging in cans is so much better than bottles to begin with as a whole in my opinion. And so I was like, well, this is perfect for a high ABV beer. And <laughs> so we are the first brewery in the Southeast United States to do stubby cans. And we put a barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout in it. <laughs> that is that is brilliant. I yeah. saw that. I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this before? Yeah, most and we're still the only ones that have done it. Um, to my knowledge, uh, I know a few breweries have been interested in doing it. I didn't wave them off from it. It's a uh, especially a high ABV like sticky beer, and those little cans can get uh, the waste is a little high, get a little mm. complicated. Interesting. But um, but I think it's a it's such a great way to package that kind of product and put it out there. Um, but it is a tougher sell. Uh, most, most craft enthusiasts are looking at it and they're going, I just don't see the value in, in it. I don't see the value and you have to explain it to them. I saw the value immediately because yeah. I had the same problem that you have. Yeah. And it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, if I'm alone and I've got this 12 percenter, I can't drink the entire mm. thing and I'm SOL. Yep. But now, I can have just a little bit that I want. It's a perfect amount, eight ounces, and good to go. You can still share an eight ounce stubby and, uh, and and go through a couple of them, especially if it's like a bottle share, man. You bring a couple of those and you're golden. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's just, uh, that was the, the million dollar idea. <laughs> do you think you'll do that with some of these other barrel aged? Yeah, I would like to. Up? I really would. I would like to do that, to be perfectly honest. I think it's it really is a great way to, to package these types of beers and serve them. Um, it'll just be a matter of whether or not the market will ultimately get behind it and still see the same value without having the conversation of, hey man, this is the same amount of beer. Hey man, you don't have to yep. share this all at once. Hey man, this will store and age a lot better. And uh, hopefully that will occur. Awesome. People want more interest or information in Flying Boat. What do they, where should they go to? Ah, uh, you can hit us up on the World Wide Web, <laughs> www.flyingboatbrewing.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Flying Boat Brewing, and Instagram, and the Twitters. The Twitters. The Twitters. The Twitters. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're most welcome. Stop by anytime. I am very lucky because I do have a three-pack of those little stubby cans of Russian Imperial Stout in my fridge, which is great. Let's get into a little bit of Florida brewing news. Obviously, the big news recently is the untimely closure of Winter Springs' Red Cypress Brewing. I've heard a lot of reasons as to why this happened. I'm not sure how many of those reasons are true or not, so I'm not going to get into it. I will say that it is a shame that they are gone. I was not able to visit them in person, but I did try a number of their beers. Uh, Subdivisions was a great one. Spook Hill, Death Roll on Nitro, when I had that was utterly fantastic, which is great. So let's take a look at some other things that are going on around the state. Looks like American Craft Ale Works is now open in West Palm Beach. They have a big event on Sunday, June 16th, which is, of course, 
Father's Day. Uh, looks like they'll have a bottomless Bloody Mary and Mimosa brunch. All sorts of interesting foods. Uh, hours are 11 to 3 for brunch and then on to 10 p.m. for dinner. And they're on Clematis Street, which is downtown West Palm, right in the heart of everything. Not too far from the West Palm Brewery and Wine Vault, which is one of my favorite places in the state of Florida, really. Which is great, great to see. Um, John Reeves incident, which is an interesting name for a beer from Marker 48 Brewing out near Wikiwachi. Um, John Reeves incident is their double IPA named for a very famous or infamous UFO abduction that was supposed to happen in the area. Um, anyways, the beer is out. Last year, it was in a 22-ounce bomber. This year, they are going for a four-pack of Tallboys. So, a four-pack of 16-ounce uh, cans will be $16, which is really, really great. It's actually a really good, really good price for, for an excellent beer from an excellent brewery. Uh, if you have not seen on FloridaBeerBlog.com, Barrel of Monks in Boca has released their Peach Sorcery, which is the newest line in the Sorcery series. This is their White Wizard Wit, their Wit beer, that is treated with local fruits and then aged on their House Wild strain of yeast. Uh, you can see the review at FloridaBeerBlog.com. Short answer, it's definitely not as funky as I was expecting, which is a good thing. It actually was a nice, dry, almost champagne-like experience. And then finally, we're going to head all the way up to Tallahassee Proof Brewing Company. They are releasing Quantum Foam Double IPA, a collaboration with Finback Brewery in New York City. Uh, this, once again, is getting released in 16-ounce four-packs, your four-pack of tall boys. Only in Tallahassee, unfortunately. Hopefully, I'll be able to get some of this double IPA goodness down by me. All right, so from there, we are going to head to the Grand Central District of St. Petersburg. If you don't know the Grand Central District, it's the area of Central Avenue that is close to... What is the name of that stadium that's there? The Tropicana. Yep, Tropicana Field. So the biggest brewery that's in that area is Three Daughters. My absolute favorites. Really, really good people. Love chatting with them. But they've also got a number of other breweries. Cage is there within walking distance of Three Daughters. And if you're walking from Three Daughters to Cage, you'll also pass by Pinellas Aleworks. Uh, you've got... Avid Brew House. They were actually a homebrew supply store that has become a brewery as well. Um, the really, really fantastic right around the corner that is actually a not just a brewery but a full video game arcade system. And it's, it's not really arcade games as much as it is several consoles and what's really fun about them is chatting with uh, chatting with them, taking a look at the games, taking a look at the tap handles, which actually used to be Duck Hunt Zappers. If you remember the old, um, if you remember the old Nintendo Entertainment System, the big orange Zappers, that is what they have for tap handles, which is really really funny. And then there was another brewery that was in the area that has been there for quite some time, but I never managed to see it open, and that was called If I Brewed the World. Now, it's based on, I guess the name is based on the Nas song, If I Ruled the World, which hopefully some of you are very familiar with. If I Brewed the World is a very, very interesting place to go to. It's definitely not wanting to be this typical brewery. It's really just an absolute fun time.
it's really sort of a jaunt into the mind of owner and brewmaster Kevin Shaw. He has come from a rather extensive home brewing background uh, up above the door that leads from the main tap room to the back patio is a very large pole filled with all the home brewing medals and other professional medals that he's won. And I was able to chat with him kind of about his style and what he likes to brew and kind of get an idea for how he wants to fit into the Grand Central District. One of the things that he's also going to mention is this Saturday is the inaugural Grand Central District Beer Day. And enjoy the podcast, and I'll give you a little bit more detail on that once we get back. So what exactly is going on here? Because I've gone through one mystery door hidden behind a bookcase into a restroom that is papered with pages of Thoreau and Mark Twain (laughs) next to Donatello. Dapper Donatello. It's, it's, it's kind of like a. I, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. How um, you describe it? Yeah, I was, I was trying to go for something <laughs> a little different and more. Um, maybe a creative space, more like a. Um, hopefully, the beers show that as well and kind of different flavors and unique things. And then, especially the place. I want to make the place interesting and um, kind of express my. I guess my own personal style and that kind of thing that I like kind of things a little different and you know the, the hip-hop theme and throwback to kind of the 90s and it's not like even that wall of CDs it's not all hip-hop but I mean it's Nirvana and Pearl Jam and all kinds of Third Eye Blind and then obviously all the, the hip-hop references. Soul, some Fiona, Apple. Yeah. And then of course the Nas album. Right you got Nas in there and Dr. Dre. And, and that's where you came through. Came with the name of the brewery. Yeah. The and why, I, why I guess why that track? What was it about? If I ruled the world, that that's. Well, technically, to I was thinking and... the rule the world, and it, I suppose it's not not based on the Nas song, but it also just it kind of I ruled the world in the hip hop theme and the '90s, and it all kind of made sense. Or it seemed to flow. I think that uh, if I ruled the world, if I brewed the world, and then the tagline is even a uh, global domination through brewing creations, <laughs> and like it's the longest thing ever. And that was happening too. Is when I was. Um, Thinking of your names and fun, and especially I think even the name represents or kind of shows a little bit of that too. That real kind of different because I was thinking there's all these names that are um, one word brewery, whatever. Um, uh-huh. Ale works is a popular one now. Yeah. Um, things like that. That I feel like sometimes that can get lost in the mix. And there's tons of there's tons of numbers. There's tons of um, lots of sons and daughters and um, <laughs> a lot of threes in the state. A lot of threes. Of yeah. There's tons three, of threes. Three da- three sons, three daughters, three, three bridges, daughters, three, three bridges, keys. Three keys. Yeah. Um, All of which are great. Right. Don't get me wrong. Right. But yeah. Just... But I just felt like too, if there was, there might be somebody like, what was that place? Was that three something? This yeah. sixes. There's a lot of sixes too. But yeah. Um, big. There's a bunch of bigs. Uh, big storm. Big top. Um, big. There's another one. But stuff like that that I'm thinking that it was. If anything, like someone's saying, they're like, that's way too long. I'm like, that's the point. <laughs> you know, you definitely won't forget it. So. Well, and you, you're you're the newest brewery here in St. Pete, correct? Yes. But not too terribly long. And was it intentional to try to separate yourself out from what I guess some could consider to be a very crowded St. Pete and Grand Central specific? Yeah, 100%. Area? Um, I thought too, if I'm if I'm not doing anything, I'm doing the same as everybody else, and I'm just opening up another brewery that has uh, your basic beers on there, you know, your basic core beers, and I'm not really doing anything different or interesting and bring anything to the table. Then why am I doing it? If I just get mixed in with everybody else and I'm just the neighborhood sports pub, then um, I thought, what's the point? Um, yeah. And I never did that. That was never the approach to any of the beers I made or home brewing or or the ideas I had or anything. So I was like, why would I do that with this? And then I felt a lot more confident in trying to do something and that it was different. And um, I, I would come to this place if it wasn't mine, you know? And, yeah. and there's a lot of places there's, uh, I would think of modern times. It's not like I was trying to copy modern times, but I don't know if you've ever been out there in San Diego. I have not, actually. But it's such a cool place and they have a giant uh, Michael Jackson holding his monkey made out of post-it notes <laughs> on one wall. And I just thought it was okay. the weirdest thing. And I was like, that's so cool. 
And then um, there's there's like books, uh, bar their bar is made out of books and things like that. And, it, and it's not that I was, but I like those kind of unique places. I think Seven Sun is, is pretty unique, you know, the one in Dunedin. Uh -huh. um, yeah. There's certain places that I feel stick out. And then I was like, well, why do those things stick out over other places that are, and, and I'm not, I'm not being, I don't mean it in a negative way towards any of the breweries, but some of them are, I think, a little more, um, not forgettable, but simpler, I guess. And, then, and that may work in their location and different things, and I was just really trying to do something different because that's what I like doing anyway. In a lot of ways, some of them can almost feel sort of corporate to where there's an yeah. image that their segment of the industry is looking for, but you also have investors and you have people yeah. that are owners and may not actually be there, or sometimes they're there, but they're not the ones brewing, they've hired, et cetera, so on and so forth. Whereas this is really a, a trip into your mind. Yeah, I agree. And I, I do think that, that there's there could be tons of money, millions of dollars, and then you know um, lots of stainless steel, lots of industrial, tons and tons of money behind it. You go in and you feel that there's a lot of money, but there may be lacking in a little bit of character, a little bit of um, mm -hmm. something that really maybe resonates or that people relate to or sticks and that it's fine but you can go in any city everywhere and go to the, basically the same place and I never wanted to do that I wanted it to be I don't know like no other place so awesome and obviously that will translate into the beer now I'm sitting behind or behind me is a very large row of your medals correct yes yeah it's um for a few years and then kind of in preparation for this and just to test it out and see kind of I don't know where I stood or how how it went. I was doing the competitions with uh, Pub Guild, which is Pinellas Urban Brewers Guild, and, and they, they meet at Rap. It was Greg Rap, a rap brewery that started the club. And I unfortunately never got to meet him. Yeah, he's an amazing guy, man. And he's got uh, that. I did a little uh, coffee table book, and it's got a bunch of pictures when I was home brewing. And there's definitely yeah. a shout out to Greg and uh, Pub Guild in the back of that. Definitely want to talk about the book. Yeah, a little bit because I find it interesting. But um, but I, I did. I was just trying to see what happened, and I, I got really into competitions. And then for years, I was just brewing constantly and just doing different stuff and trying um, any style I could, and even wild beers. And I got one um, national first place award, and um, just tons of stuff. I was just trying out so. If anything, I, I was hoping the idea would be to come in and be like, well, at least, you know, I know something. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not just, uh, I like beer, and I'm like, I should try this out, kind of thing. But, because <laughs> that can, um, I've seen that too, you know? Mm -hmm. Which gets unfortunate. But. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But. So, with the beers, I guess, what attracts you to beer? What attracts you to the recipes that you try to create? How do you go about something like that? Yeah, what checks with the beers I make, um, or just the styles that you enjoy, and how, what kinds of things you like to experiment with. I really like flavors, and I mean everybody likes flavors, obviously. But trying to mimic certain things, or like the Crunchberry cereal, or we had like I had a raspberry cola, I had um, uh, strawberry creme brulees up there, just different yeah, things this, that I think are kind of fun. And this Crunchberry is incredible because it smells like Captain Crunch and it tastes <laughs> like Crunchberry cereal. It's, <laughs> Did you even say how to do that? Or? Trade oh. secrets, yeah. Okay. Trying, to, <laughs> trying to keep it keep it under wraps. I'm sure it'll come out at some point. But uh, and I, I just like something that that's kind of fun and, and same same idea that maybe some nostalgia. Um, and also, I'm trying. I was trying to find my I guess lane uh -huh. as far as the beer goes, and those were the ones that seem to work out better and, and has a little better app than versus, know, you know what I mean, barrel-aged stouts or something. Yeah. And then there is really, there's a sour place, there's a stout place, there's a uh, IPA place, you know, there's very The German much place. The German uh, place, yeah. right. Um, so I was thinking of anything, you know, I, I like those beers, I like doing those, and it's not that I don't like making normal beers. And this, the, the board's a little off, normally it's supposed to be, the idea was one through 10 or mine, 11 is always going to be pretty much PBR and cider because my license, I can't make cider. Um, uh, why Why PBR? People like PBR, I don't know. <laughs> they just seem to like it. They come in and they hate craft beer, they're in a group or something like that, they'll still get a PBR. I feel, I feel like it would be a crime against humanity to come into a place like this with beers like these and order a PBR. I agree with you. I mean, it, it is five bucks here compared to, I mean, you can get it $2 or something somewhere else. So I hope nobody's coming in for PBRs. <laughs> But it is on there. I mean, there's always a kind of a straggler in the group that maybe isn't into that. And um, 
actually my bartender, beer tender, he loves beer. <laughs> uh, That's funny. Yeah, and it was just popular, I think, the community and hipsters and all that. Um, <laughs> they send it, they kind of dig PDR. And then cider I can't do, so I just have a cider on. And, okay. And I like snake bites too, like the uh, the cider and the stout. So you have a stout on and cider, stuff like that. Uh-huh. I thought it was kind of cool. But, sorry, so one through 10 was supposed to be mine. One through five is supposed to be kind of the flagships or the normal ones. And then um, six through 10 were supposed to be kind of the um, fun ones or the ones that I play with a little more. And uh-huh. It's tough to keep up though. I have a small system, so the stuff is constantly kind of moving around and I'm trying to work on that and upgrade. And what kind of be, a system do you have? Uh, it's just a barrel system right now. It's electric one barrel. I should be, I'm working on getting a three barrel. That's in the works. Um, I don't know when, pretty soon here, but then I've got to get I've got to get some other parts for it and different things. So it'll be a few months before it awesome. But as you keep growing, keep doing, and then once I do that, if I can nail these beers, then it, my life will be a lot easier because I'm just brewing <laughs> constantly. I'm brewing right now back there. Oh, nice. Yeah. What, what are you brewing? Today I'm doing a. Um, what am I doing? A weed ale today. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Um, how has the community response been? Good. You know what? Um, it's actually been good, and I think that's another thing that has worked out doing things different is there is six of us here, and there's about to be a seventh one. Oh, cool. There's a guy taking over Taco Box that's opening up a place. Funny you should mention Flying Boat. That'll come out later, but... Um, <laughs> But it's all—it's been cool. Everybody's actually been really nice. I mean, even three daughters here, I was a little intimidated by them because I—I mean, I've been there, but I don't even really know them. And they've actually been really nice. They'll—they've helped me out with some stuff and do certain things. They'll test Desiree's tested water and, and oh, cool. helped with uh, let me wash kegs there a couple times, things like that. that nice. Yeah, and then everybody else has been pretty cool. Um, and even to that fact, like June first, uh, I came up with this idea for like a a neighborhood community event. And since we're all friends, we're all doing really different stuff, uh-huh. and none of us are really kind of making the same beers for the most part, or really copying each other, you know, style-wise and that kind of thing. But June 1st in Grand Central District, all the breweries except Cage are, um, we're all gonna do the same. We're doing a fruited wheat beer. Okay. And um, Pet, we chose Pet Pal as a local charity. And then a dollar for every beer that day on June 1st goes towards uh, Pet Pal and Grand Central District uh, associations involved. and. It's got to be this pretty big event that hopefully we do annually, and I wasn't sure if it'd work out or, or anybody would be involved, like Three Dogs, for example, because they're you know they're a lot bigger and they have a lot yeah. going on. But it's been it's been cool. It's been nice. Everybody's been pretty helpful. I think the beer community's like that, anyways, though. You know, mm-hmm. so. That's, it's nice to see it's nice to see that, and I'm drinking a collaboration that you had with yeah, right around the corner, which right, is. Yes. It is right around. Yeah, it's it's, right around, it's kind of an interesting brewery. So, but still, how did that come about? Um, I'm friends with those guys, uh, Tommy and Johnny, and we've talked about doing stuff. And so, this is neighbor beers. And so, this first time uh, we did it on their system, and then we're going to do it every couple months and switch it up and do different um, takes on the the uh, ingredients. But we hopefully neighbor beers will be a continuing thing. We'll kind of brew over here, brew over there, and go back and forth and maybe kind of hang out anyway. And hopefully, maybe even go over to Three Daughters and have everybody in Grand Central that was, collaborate. That was the initial idea with the June first thing, but uh-huh. I realized that that's too. That might be too, too much, you know. Yeah. Especially with their giant system, and I have one barrel, and yeah. you know, then uh, Paul has I don't know seven or ten barrels. So I was thinking it might be tough to do one big collaboration or what system, and but. That was kind of how it started. That's how it. That was the first idea, and then it, it evolved into everybody do their own thing, and then we just released the same beer on the same day. Gotcha. Yeah. So I want to go back to the book. Yeah. Because I've never seen a brewery that has published a book before. Um. So I was just kind of weird too, and I just do weird stuff, and uh, we. Actually, in part, so I was home brewing, and we started out doing farmers markets and doing spring green granola bars, spring green okay. cookies, dog biscuits, and stuff. We got Corey Avenue and um, a couple other ones, and so the idea was kind of to get the name out. And initially, I thought maybe I could give samples of the beer and stuff like that. And it was a really fun event to do some of these things. And then after that, then it was sort of the book project. It had all these pictures, and that was cool. And I kept taking pictures of 
I don't know why, I always see faces in my beers. Yeah. Like that one. Like this one. Yeah. Um, and so I started taking pictures of them, and then I had this whole roll of, I had tons of pictures of these things, and I was like, it'd be cool to do like a coffee table book with, uh, you know, quotes or something, and things like that. So, and it was an interesting project, like when I was doing some of the stuff I wasn't able to use, so I had to like contact these estates to see if I could use it and mm -hmm. different things, and I, I found out a bunch of information, which was kind of neat. There's a quote in there from um, Edgar Allan Poe, it's credited him, and it was some bar in the 1900s in Massachusetts that the bar said that he paid for a bar tab with that poem in there, and then um, it sat up on the wall, and another guy who was publishing a journal like 30 years later was like, who, who did this? And they said, Edgar Allan Poe. So that guy published it in a magazine, so got credited Edgar Allan Poe, but they can't really prove it's him, and they think it's like, <laughs> so just stuff like that that I didn't know, it was kind of a, it was a fun project. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. And, um... Unfortunately, it's going to be, if you're listening to this, it's going to be well after the fact, but I'm actually a big fan of WMNF. Okay. I really like the, the public radio. It looks like you've got an event. Conscious. Yeah, this Saturday. In the area. Yeah, how did you get involved with them? And that one I, I lucked out. They, feel. Um, they stopped by and asked me, so I, I can't take much credit for that. <laughs> I, I just lucked out, and they, um, Stuart stopped by, and I talked with him, and he had a beer, and then he said they're doing this event, and they were, I think Paul was already involved, and... Um, and they said if I wanted to do it, and I was like, you know, hell yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. they, uh, yeah, they asked me, so they're coming this Saturday, and that's been fun too, doing these different events. Like Sunday, we have a Backpack for Kids charity event, and we do stuff with uh, Humane Society event and Pet Pal, and so it's been it's been fun to kind of do different things. We're gonna do a market. We did a punk show. We did like a rap nice. show. We did like all these kind of different things that have been fun to be able to. I don't know, think outside the box and do, do a bunch of different things. So. Cool. Where can people go if they want to find more information on the brewery? Um, they can come here. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there is a website. The website, there's not, there is some information, but it was more, um, we created a website when I was doing the book and kind of trying to raise funds and stuff, so it's not that intricate in there. You can still buy the book on there, the book's on Amazon too, but the website or Facebook, Instagram, I probably use that the most for the um, posts and see what's going on and events and different things between the social media accounts. So I would say that we're just coming in, hang out. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That was awesome. So. I will say that I would love to be able to get more crunch berries. I cannot emphasize exactly how good that beer was. It really did smell like Captain Crunch. It really did taste like Crunch Berries. And just like you heard the bartender say, I doubt that there was anything... I doubt that any Crunch Berries were harmed in the making of the beer. So I would love to know how he actually made it. Of course, I probably never will. But Grand Central Inaugural Craft Beer Day coming up on June 1st. Uh, one of the interesting things that he mentioned is that every single brewery in the Grand Central District, with the exception of Cage, Cage had something else to do, but everybody is joining in, and they are actually going to be making a fruited wheat ale. So for If I Brewed the World, their ale is going to be a mango, peach, apricot wheat ale. Uh, very close is Three Daughters, and they're doing Pineapple, Coconut, Mango, Papaya, Hefeweizen. Uh, don't know about Pinellas Ale Works just yet. Right around the corner has a Guava Lemonade Wheat Ale, and then Avid Brew Company is doing a Watermelon Wheat Ale, and apparently they're bringing a Watermelon Spout to the game. So that will be interesting. If you are going to go, please take pictures. I know some other breweries that may be there in the area to check out the festivities to enjoy so definitely definitely let me know really do wish that I could be there unfortunately I am not able to but like I was saying I've got some other things that are coming up and hopefully that is going to be really exciting and, and introduce a lot of people so I appreciate you hanging out with us today. The Florida Beer Podcast is a production of FloridaBeerBlog.com. Find us at FloridaBeerBlog.com. We're on social media at FloridaBeerBlog on Instagram and Twitter. We're at FLBeerBlog on Facebook. And you can write to us directly at FloridaBeerBlog at gmail.com. 
Big thanks to Jeff Brozovich. He's our intro announcer. Thank you to today's guests. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, rate us on Apple, iTunes, let everybody else know, send some information out. And if you heard about earlier, I actually have a free coupon for four free beers at If I Brewed the World. So if you've listened to this this far, thank you so much. If you want to win, do us a favor, go ahead and take a picture of you subscribing to the Florida Beer Podcast or that you have subscribed, put it up on social media, tag us, let us know that you did it. First person that does it is going to get a pass for four beers at If I Brewed the World in St. Pete. Trust me, you want this. Do it now. It's worth it by a long shot. Make sure to let everybody know. Hopefully we'll be able to grow more Florida craft beer drinkers listening to the podcast. And we will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Drink Florida craft. Mm -hmm.